1045 The Zone's non-stop sports talk continues with a look at Nashville's teams and at news around the nation from the lead writer of 1045thezone.com. This is The Big Six. The Big Six with Jason Martin. And here we go. Six o'clock by my watch means it's time for the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Boy, do we have a lot to get to tonight. Murphy Fair coming up in the back half of the show. Get you set for high school action. And Chad Withrow will take you home following me tonight here on The Zone. I'm Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. And then the final segment of the show, if you missed it, yesterday it aired on 3HL. I sat down with Daryl Strawberry out at CPA had a wide-ranging conversation with him that I think you want to stick around for. A lot of folks really enjoyed that, reached out to us about it, so we're going to go ahead and play that again for you tonight. Also, my big six matchups for the weekend, three from the NFL, three from college football, and a bonus to put in coming up next. But the big six tonight, I'm going to go ahead. I tweeted this out last night. I'm going to go ahead and hand the big six for the day to Baker Mayfield. Number six doing work last night for the Cleveland Browns. In the summer, Hugh Jackson came right out and said Tyrod Taylor was the Cleveland Browns starting quarterback. There would be no competition in camp. And then we sat there and we watched hard knocks. And we saw new number one draft pick Baker Mayfield more than anybody else on that show. We then saw Hugh Jackson raving about what he was seeing in practice. And then we would watch Mayfield in preseason and in practices working with the twos on the roster. Barely ever got a chance against the ones. Got a series or two. And when he did, we saw he still needed some work. But mainly that was because he hadn't worked with them at all. And then once he had to come in a little early in a preseason game, he really wasn't prepared for the change in speed and skill between the ones and the guys he was in there against. Folks, there are people in life that have jobs they simply are not qualified to do. Or they have jobs where, while in the process of trying to prove their worth, These people prove the opposite. I guarantee you there is somebody at your place of work, wherever it is you are and whatever it is you've been blessed with the opportunity to do, that you aren't jealous of necessarily, but you continually wonder to yourself, how in the world did that happen? I might not be the best, but I'm better than that guy. Sometimes it's nepotism or it's who you know or it's being in the right place at the right time. Or in the case of Lane Kiffin, it was both nepotism and somehow failing forward into better jobs each time before finally being humbled and growing properly. FAU, who was about to kick off or just kicked off against UCF, that should be a fun matchup tonight as a matter of fact, that was the perfect place for him. Because when he takes his next step, he'll be more prepared. There is a difference, ladies and gentlemen, in our world between what we want and what we need. The latter is non-negotiable. There's no choice in that matter. But the former largely relies on our own intuition or it relies on our desires and often it relies on our ignorance. For Lane Kiffin, he might have always wanted USC or the Raiders or Tennessee, but he wasn't ready for any of them. Sometimes being in a season of waiting is the best possible thing that can happen to you. I wanted a radio show for years before I was given that gift. But I know that in July, when the Big Six started here on 104.5 The Zone, I was far better. And more importantly, I was far more confident as a host 
than I was three years ago when I felt like I was being overlooked. I got it at the right time. And as such, there's a level of comfort now. There's a level of contentment now that could not have existed had I gotten it when I wanted. I might have been fine three years ago. I might have been okay. But I'm blessed that I didn't get it then. I'm blessed that it came when it did. I've had some other experiences in this industry. It forced me to do some other things, take some other opportunities. And it's made me better. So I'm, I'm blessed it came then rather than when I thought I deserved it or thought I had earned it. But back to Hugh Jackson. He deserved another chance to be a head coach. And what he's proven is he's a worthy coordinator. Watching Hard Knocks, there was one thing that continually bounced around in my noggin as I saw Todd Haley and Greg Williams and how they spoke to him and how they coached on the sidelines and even how they looked at him. These guys both think they should have Hugh Jackson's job and they don't buy into him at all. They were at work looking down the hall at the guy who has that gig he doesn't deserve in their mind. Maybe wasn't as prepared for that job as we thought. And Hugh Jackson appears to be in over his head. Look at him on the sidelines. Look at him last night. He looks totally confused and overwhelmed. The Browns is a different gig than many other NFL jobs because that level of futility, over 630 days since the last time you won a football game, that level of futility, folks, brings an equal level of despair when even the first little thing goes wrong. So Tyrod Taylor gets all the first-team reps prior to the season starting. That was curious because all it meant was that Hugh believed he could win a game or two more with the veteran. Not playoffs, mind you, but maybe six or seven games. Mayfield's going to make rookie mistakes along with great plays. Hugh Jackson wagered that he would have a better chance to keep his job in the short term by winning a few early ones with Tyrod. And then we saw that Pittsburgh game. And then we saw that New Orleans game. And then, most importantly, we saw that first half last night against the Jets. I saw a tweet last night that basically said, Hugh Jackson naming Tyrod his starter because he's coaching for his job is a prime example of why Hugh Jackson is coaching for his job. I tweeted early in the second quarter it was time for Baker. Actually, I tweeted it in week one. But not it wasn't because of what the TV audience or I wanted to see as a viewer last night. That's the last thing a coach should care about. It was because Taylor was wholly ineffective on the football field. Now, I don't think that Tyrod Taylor is a bad quarterback. I don't. But I truly feel sorry for him. And if I'm honest, I felt sorry for him the second Baker Mayfield was drafted. Because you knew Cleveland fans would start a chant for the hopeful new star if Tyrod Taylor was even just decent. He almost had to be good or he was toast. Last night, he became toast. Melba. And let me submit something else to you. Hugh Jackson, because of this decision, should also be toast. Like right now, today. Baker Mayfield's arm, the accuracy on most of his throws, the zip on the ball out of his hands, and the energy that emerged from that roster the second he hit the field tells you one thing without any question. The Cleveland Browns football team knew who the better quarterback was for their squad, but the coach still went with the other guy. Remember on Hard Knocks when Todd Haley piped up in that meeting? Hugh said, it's the Al Davis rule around here. It's my team, so I'll do whatever the hell I want. That was a quote. That's all well and good, but when what you want backfires like it did here, 
Because let me tell you this, the Browns would at least be 2-1 and one today if Mayfield had started from the first snap against the Steelers. When it backfires, and you've pumped your chest out like that, I'm sorry, bro, you got to go. Mayfield's not going to be that good every week, just like Patrick Mahomes or any number of others are not. The Jets weren't prepared for it or not very much, but even if they had, I still think we'd have seen much of the same. Clearly, New York didn't watch the college football playoff or they'd have covered Mayfield when he became a receiver against Georgia and scored in the back right corner of the end zone. But here's the deal. Baker Mayfield equals hope. What I saw last night was the origin of something potentially special. Well, I'm not going to become a prisoner of the moment and say this dude's about to go to the Hall of Fame. I'm saying he looked really good last night considering that situation and the throws he was making and the confidence that seemed to emanate from that team as soon as he hit the field told me something. But we don't know for sure where it's going to go from here. Maybe that is the best game that he ever plays. But we do know that before last night, the last Browns quarterback to actually win a football game was Johnny Manziel. I want you to stop and think about that for a second. Baker came in with a handicap in the form of a deficit on that scoreboard. And all Baker Mayfield did was go out there, energize that team, give receivers a chance. All of a sudden, Juice Landry is everywhere. Carlos Hyde wakes up as a result. The defense is actually really good. We've seen them play well against Big Ben with all those turnovers, played pretty well against the Saints on the road, and now the Jets. Miles Garrett's a total stud. Denzel Ward is a total stud. There is serious talent on that side of the ball. Serious talent. And now... There might be talent on the other side of the ball at the single most important position in all of sports. And what all of that means is you cannot have that kind of talent in Cleveland and entrust that to someone who has shown not to have the requisite talent wearing a headset on the sidelines. I think Hugh Jackson is a very nice man. I think Hugh Jackson is easy to root for. I think Hugh Jackson says a lot of the right things. I'd like to know Hugh Jackson, but he's not an NFL head coach. He is in way over his head, and there is no way in the world that Browns GM John Dorsey does not know that. I would not wait until the end of the season. It is not ideal, and I'm not in the business of saying things like this, but I would bounce Hugh Jackson from that job right now today. Because of that decision making. You just can't do it. Baker Mayfield. There's no way everybody didn't already know. Who should have been the starting quarterback. Because you saw again. The energy on that team. The look on their faces. When number six hit the field. Made that first completion. That crowd. Everybody knew. And I think Hugh knew too. But he thought. Tyrod can win me some earlier games. And that can buy me a little bit of time. I think your time should be up. I think it's time for that watch to be broken. I think it's time for new coaching in Cleveland because you do have the talent on that team to win some football games. And you've got a rookie quarterback that wowed us last night and made an unwatchable Thursday night football game something to remember. Never unwatchable is high school football. And always fun. We'll have Murphy Fair coming up in the back half of the show. Let's bring in our good friend Tom Duggan of the DTC Sports Crew onto the program. Tom, how are you tonight? 
Jason, doing great, doing great. How you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good. So you guys are in, what are you doing in Woodbury tonight? We're, I tell you what, we're in Woodbury to watch the new look Cannon County Lions tonight. Now, this is a Lions program that has had its share of struggles over the course of the last decade. In fact, they've not been to the playoffs since 2009. But under new first-year head coach Matt Daniel, they're making strides. They came out of the gate, had two impressive wins to start off the season, opened up 2-0. and since then, they've dropped three straight, but I tell you, they played hard in each and every game. They've been right there in it. Now, tonight, they welcome their border rival from uh, just to the north in DeKalb County. These two teams have met. This will be the 35th meeting going back to 1963. DeKalb County has had a stranglehold on this series. They've won the last 10 games in the series. In fact, Cannon has not beaten DeKalb County on their home field, get this, since 1966. But wow. there's a new energy in Woodbury tonight with this new coaching staff. There's a lot of confidence here. Both of these teams, two and three, and I know those records don't impress you, but now the three teams DeKalb County lost to are all ranked in the top ten in the state in their classification. All three are undefeated. So you've got two teams here, bitter rivals. You've got a hungry Cannon County team. You've got a renewed confidence in DeKalb County. Uh, Jason, I tell you what, it's going to be a great game. Folks can watch it tonight. We're just hoping we dodge the raindrops. Yeah. I think like a lot of folks in Middle Tennessee, yeah. we're, we're looking at ominous clouds right now and just hoping that they stay away from us. <laughs> yeah, Tom, it's, it's going to be dicey pretty much anywhere you're watching high school football tonight. You guys stay dry. That should be a fun one. Thank you very much, Jason. Have a good night. All right, you too. DTC Sports live web stream of the game. It starts at 645, kickoff at 7, DTC3.tv. To catch all the action live online, Tom Duggan to Coach Chris Vance and J.R. Smith football game night each week on DTC Sports. Coming up next, the big six matchups to watch this week in Pigskin. Dave McGinnis talks Titans with you. Presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Catch Coach Mac exclusively on 104.5 The Zone. Back, Big Six, 104.5 Zone, Murphy Fair. Coming up, also my conversation with Daryl Strawberry, which I really think is worth your time if you missed it yesterday. So this is going to be an abbreviated segment. Here's your Big Six matchups to pay attention to, at least as I see them this weekend. First in the NFL, 305 kick, Chargers 1-1 one one at Rams, 2-0. This could be a Super Bowl matchup. I don't think it will be. I don't think the Chargers are quite that good, but... Neither one of these teams draws any real fan reaction at home. They're both in L.A., but nobody really even sees it or views it that way yet. Offense and defense are on fire for the Rams. They look better than anybody else in the league right now. It's the wrong time for this matchup for San Diego. I got Rams by double digits, but it could be a really, really good football game, and the Chargers should be a playoff team. Saints at Falcons, both teams 1-1. One one. That's a noon kick. It's time to find out what's up with New Orleans. Two lackluster performances, a loss to the Bucks, a should have lost to the Browns. Falcons actually are my Super Bowl pick, but this is really a toss-up, and I'm going to go with the Saints on the road because I think they're due for a big performance, and I'm still a little bit weary of Sarkeesian and that play calling. Should be a lot of offense in this one. Two pretty good football teams should be a good game. And then third, I'm going to go with 49ers and Chiefs. There are some other decent matchups. On Sunday, I think Jack's Titans obviously is an intriguing game as well. But 49ers 1-1, one one, Jimmy G against undefeated Chiefs at 2-0. and oh. Jimmy G had a really tough matchup against the Rams in week one. More favorable last week. Matt Breida ran it well. 
They might have Marquise Goodwin back in the starting lineup. Mahomes is not going to be able to keep this up forever. Ten touchdowns in two games. He's faced an awful Steelers defense with a just atrocious secondary and a Chargers D without Joey Bosa. So he will come down to earth to some degree. I think he's legit, but he's not going to keep that up. But Andy Reid being such an offensive genius and with all those weapons, I still think Kansas City is going to keep on rolling. But I'm intrigued to see how Jimmy G plays against a pretty porous Chiefs defense in that game. And then the three college games. And really, they're all SEC games, even though I think TCU-Texas could be a really solid football game. I think Stanford-Oregon tomorrow night, two ranked teams there. That ought to be good. Florida State hosting Northern Illinois. Willie Taggart had better win. He had better win tomorrow. South Carolina Vandy, I think, is going to be entertaining. I've got the Gamecocks winning it close. And Georgia-Missouri, I want to see what Drew Locke and that offense can do. I don't think they can beat Georgia, but I want to see how much they can score. The three I'm paying attention to, though, 22 A&M at number one Alabama at 230 on CBS. Saban's former assistants just don't beat him. Jimbo's team, though, is better than I thought they they would be. Kellen Mond played his best football against Clemson, which makes you think he could do something like that again. But I expected Ole Miss to score last week, and that certainly didn't happen. Nobody's going to beat Tua in this Bama team this season. I believe everybody's playing for second. But I think A&M could give him a game. Uh, Alabama by 17 is, is just kind of how I see it playing out. Mississippi State at Kentucky is interesting. It's curious because the Bulldogs under Joe Moorhead and with Nick Fitzgerald running the show, they've been racking up a lot of points and yards. Kentucky's defense came into the season returning a lot of guys, but they're returning a lot of guys that were terrible. So this is a test. Now, this game plus what happens in Knoxville is going to tell us whether that Florida win was anything impressive. I think UK is actually pretty good. I, you know, this could be close for two and a half quarters, but I just don't think Kentucky can score enough when this game becomes a shootout, if that's indeed how it goes. So Mississippi State by two touchdowns. And then finally, I got Florida and Tennessee as the other one I'm paying attention to. They're unranked. Who cares? It's such an intriguing game because of all the unknowns and all the question marks. It's the most talented defensive front Tennessee has seen this season. The Vols O-line has been a major concern. Energy out of the gates, a must. Crazy loud atmosphere at Neyland. I'm going to be there. First time I've ever been at Neyland Stadium for a football game. Can't wait to get to Knoxville. If Tennessee has another slow start, it's going to be a long evening. Not going to be a high-scoring game. First to 20 could win it. Franks looked all right against Colorado State. The Gators ran for over 200 yards in that game. And as we morph these big six matchups into the local picks, I'm going to take the big orange. I'm taking Tennessee. I think the Vols are going to get this done. It's more of a gut feeling than anything else because of the unknowns. But Garantano's completing 73% of his passes. Chandler Jordan, that four-headed monster running back, might be able to fatigue Florida up front in the second half. A young but pretty talented secondary that's improved each week. And I just don't think Florida's all that good. I think special teams and the turnover battle will determine this game. If you make more mistakes, you're going to lose. I got Vols 24, Gators 17. Jags 31, Titans 23. Just to get that out there, I don't think the Titans are going to be able to beat Jacksonville, but they always play them well. I expect that will happen again. And I got South Carolina just outlasting Vandy 30-20. to 20. 
I ran through all that relatively quickly because of the way we have it structured. Murphy Fair is coming up next, and then I want all the time that we need so that you can hear the Daryl Strawberry interview. So stick around. More coming up. Murphy Fair talking high school football next here on 104.5 The Zone. Welcome back in Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Hope your Friday is dry as it can be. And I know this guy was rained on earlier because if you're going to this football game, uh, you got to get there early unless you want a real hike. Murphy Fair joins us to talk high school football like he does every Friday. Oakland and Blackman tonight, Murph. Try to stay dry, but at least you should have a great atmosphere and one of those games everybody pays attention to. It'll be interesting, Jason, I think, to see what all this water is going to do to neutralize both teams. There's so much athleticism on both sides of the field that uh, uh, it, it's certainly going to be a, a slick carpet to play on tonight. And uh, uh, lots of lots of uh, momentum, I guess, more than anything riding on this game, because I doubt seriously this is the last time these teams play each other. They'll they'll face each other in the second or third round of the playoffs in all likelihood. But uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know if it's better to win this one and uh, or lose this one and win the next one or vice versa. But it ought to be a great game. Yeah, it should be undefeated Blaze and then Oakland three and one. The Patriots lost a tough one against a really good football team, but there are some stars in that game that you're going to get to watch tonight. A ton of rushing yards, in particular for Blackman. Coming from Napier, he has 597 yards and eight touchdowns. Oakland's Xavier Myers, 537 yards and 10 scores. So you're going to see some points scored out there tonight. And that's not even the four names I had written down to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Who'd you have, Trey Knox Washington. and Woody Washington? There's there's a lot of guys. Yeah, Woody's going to Oklahoma, the Anderson kid who started the uh, or actually started his high school career at Siegel, and now he's playing at Oakland to finish it out, going to South Carolina. And then on the Blackman side, the Ote kid, uh, an Arkansas commit. And then Trey Knox, one of the state's top receivers, he's narrowed his list, as I understand it, to two, either Arkansas or Tennessee. And and I asked the coach if, uh, if that had anything to do with his teammate going to Arkansas, and he said no. Not at all. Arkansas wants Trey Knox just as badly as they wanted Ote. Yeah, well, they should want him right now because Arkansas doesn't look very good. So they could they could use Trey Knox if they could get him. Brentwood and Nolensville, two four and one teams. Nolensville a three game win streak. Just that one three point loss to Page that came four weeks ago. This should be a really good one. Yeah, and they're they're playing at four A. Uh, obviously, a team to watch as far as uh, those guys are concerned. In the same. Uh, in the same region with uh, Tullahoma and Maplewood, two pretty good teams too. But they're they're showing that they're kind of holding their own at a higher classification, and this is the first year for them to have a senior class on the football field, so it ought to be interesting. It's just kind of a bragging rights game, another one of those momentum games. Uh, you know, I think uh, Nolansville should probably win the game, but, you know, when you've got that kind of rivalry going, who knows, uh, or excuse me, Brentwood, uh, ought to win the game, but when you've got that kind of rivalry in the same county, who knows what might happen. So, a couple that aren't really in our area, one in the east and one in the west. You've got the Los Angeles Lynx and the St. George Griffins, and Lynx versus Griffins is my favorite mascot nickname matchup in the state. I mean, that's absolutely tremendous. Game could be interesting. Los Angeles undefeated. 
St. George is 3-2. and two. I mean, that sounds problematic. The Griffs started out 0-2, Murph, and, and they did not look good. They were bad losses, but then they've won three in a row. And it is a rivalry game, so you can't... Uh, Los Angeles should win it. They probably should win it easily, but maybe you keep your eyes on that. And then on the other side, in the East, number one Fulton against Maryville, and Maryville coming off a bye, that's one to pay attention to also. Well, I think so. Two of the best teams in the Knoxville area, and it's loaded up with talent this year at the 5A and 6A level. Uh, I think Maribel wins that one going away, but yeah. Fulton's just got so many athletes on the team. They, uh, uh, I think they'll be on a dry field up there tonight. I haven't looked at radar in Knoxville, but uh should be an interesting game. There's just an awful lot of really good 5A and 6A teams in that area. And then, like you said, St. George is a, a team that's won state championships before. Lausanne, the two-time defending Division II AA champ, should run away with that one. But uh, St. George's did start slow. But uh, numbers were somewhat of a issue with them. But those guys are playing real well together right now. And uh, uh, if anyone's going to challenge them throughout the rest of the regular season, I think it's probably St. George's. So this is pretty much the last week where we're doing these out-of-region games, Murph. We're about to really start hitting the nitty-gritty of this schedule. Some of the things that are happening, South Pittsburgh is here against Lipscomb Academy, and there's some other matchups. Hendersonville and Franklin is out there, Columbia and Spring Hill. A lot of just kind of exciting things going down here in Week 6. Yeah, and if the weather can hold off and and give us a break to where we can – uh, you know, get some good football games in tonight. It's a, the temperature has certainly dropped with the front coming through, mm-hmm. but it looks like the front is running right between Nashville and Murfreesboro and, and is liable to bounce back and forth. So a good bit of the mid state still under the weather watch. And, but, uh, sky started clearing in Murfreesboro a little before five o'clock. So hopefully, hopefully that will hold off, uh, for a couple more hours and, and give us a chance to get some good high school football action in tonight. Yeah, Knoxville Catholic and Brentwood Academy is one that really stands out just because of, well, well, we know what Knoxville Catholic did last year and we know what Brentwood always does. Well, it, it, it probably carried a lot more flavor, if you will, last week before Saudi Daisy beat Knoxville Catholic. Yeah. Nobody saw that coming, myself included. And uh, Catholic's got some great talent but it's young talent, and most of that talent is in the offensive and defensive lines. The skilled people really haven't stepped up to uh, pound their chest and make themselves known, but they've got some great ones up front, uh, you know, in the trenches, and I guess it caught up with them against Saudi Daisy last week. But uh should be an interesting game, a good test, lots of beef on both sides of the line there at BA with them and Catholic tonight, but I think Brentwood Academy probably wins that one going away also. Murphy Fair joining us, as he always does at this time, on the Big Six. So a region title maybe in the offing tonight between 3-2 and two, Smyrna and undefeated Kane Ridge. Smyrna, back-to-back losses, but they lost to CPA and Blackman. I mean, that's about as tough as it gets. Then they won over Overton to remain unbeaten in that side. And then the Ravens 5-0 and for the second time in three years. They've got an incredible rush, rushing duo, duo in uh, Devin Starling and Jacquez Norman. That's an intriguing. That's another intriguing matchup, especially because even though there are a lot of out-of-region games being played, this one right here is one that's going to have direct impact and emphasis. Yeah, and it's, a, it's an interesting matchup because actually this was supposed to be a rebuilding year for Kane Ridge. Eddie Woods had a lot of seniors on that team last year and, and a pretty good senior class the year before that. 
but they're coming out and making noise in a different sort of way than they had the last couple of years. They've been pretty much a passing team, but now they're grinding it out a little bit. And Smyrna, one of those teams that they've got some great players, just not a lot of depth. There's a great deal of difference between the guys who start and the first set of mm-hmm. substitutes. If, if they can keep those, those first, first teamers uh, on the field a good bit of the time tonight, they've got a chance to make it close. And with the weather that we've had the last couple of hours or so, that just makes the turnover uh, possibilities extremely high on both sides of the ball. So that could be the great neutralizer there in that game, I think. Yeah, I think your point about depth is one that really needs to be taken into consideration when you think of high school sports, whether it's basketball or football. Usually in high school, you can play with just about anybody, unless you're just terrible and they're amazing. You can play with them for a half. And then in the second half, you start to realize, okay, this is the difference between these two teams. I think that's what we've seen with Smyrna. You play CPA, they're undefeated. You play Blackman, we know what the Blaze are capable of doing. Smyrna, without the depth, once they get fatigued, once they end up having to bring anybody in off the bench, that's, of course, when you start to see those differences. That kind of separates the ones that are in the ratings and the ones who are not. But uh, every once in a while, uh, whether it be turnovers or injuries or whatever, the neutralizer steps in there and makes it a very unexpected game, just like all of those people who bet on Knoxville Catholic. Shouldn't be a contest at all against Saudi Daisy, and look what happened. Yeah, that's right. So is there anything that was sort of surprising? You weren't surprised because you picked right here on this very show that Alcoa was going to get the job done against Maryville. What, has, what, if anything, has surprised you so far across the landscape in high school football in Tennessee? Not really a whole lot, Jason. Yeah. It's pretty much the, the same cast of characters. I, I think we are starting to see uh, some other teams move up that we haven't talked about a whole lot. I know Lake County and, and Dresden in West Tennessee are uh, uh, kind of the hot topics over there right now, and, and teams like McKenzie that are generally in the running, and even Union City, uh, uh, you know, trying to struggle a little bit here and there to uh, figure out, you know, what's exactly going to happen. I think one thing that really caught my eye in the AP ratings this past week was the fact that Trousdale County was not mentioned mm. in the 2A top 10. And they've lost one game by, I think, one or two points to Watertown, which is a ranked team. And the other game they lost was four or five points to 6A Lebanon. Yet they didn't get, they didn't even make it into the top 10. So, but I saw as well that Memphis, the newspaper in Memphis and the newspaper in Knoxville didn't even have anyone vote in the AP Top Ten. So go figure. Yeah, go figure. All right. Hopefully the the weather will stay where it is right now. Hopefully it's not going to be a downpour. Hopefully it'll wait to start raining again until after the game. But at least you should have a fun one out there tonight, Murphy. Always good to catch up with you. We'll talk to you again next week. Sounds great, Jason. Have a good one. All right. That is Murphy Fair. If you're out at a high school game tonight, Well, hopefully you already know to have a rain jacket with you or an umbrella or something, but I know that won't keep you away. High school football in Tennessee really ramping up. Always good to have Murphy Fair on the show. We'll be right back. Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Coming up, if you missed it yesterday, I talked to Daryl Strawberry out at CPA. He spoke last night, and it was a conversation I think you don't want to miss. That's next. Big Six on 104.5 The Zone. The mid Welcome back in. Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin on Twitter at jmartzone. You can get me there. Our telephone number is 615-737-1045. Yesterday, you may have heard this on 3HL. I had a unique opportunity. Daryl Strawberry 
He's one of the best baseball players, I would say, in, in my lifetime, a true natural, was at CPA to speak last night. And I was able to go and, and sit down with him for a little bit of an extended conversation. And in case you missed that on 3HL yesterday, I'm going to give you a second chance to hear it. Here is my conversation from yesterday afternoon with Daryl Strawberry. Just off the top, what brings you to the Music City here on this Thursday? Well, it's, it's the gospel. Uh, it's, it's being here to uh, deliver a message of hope and uh, a message of inspiration and a message of never giving up and God has a plan for you. Um, I'm a prime example that God has a plan. And I think a lot of times people don't realize that, you know, where I, where I come from and, you know, the brokenness of my life and, you know, the you know the great success of being a baseball player, but empty on the inside, and and I always really wanted to know what was what was important in life, and I didn't have it until I found Jesus in my life. And uh, I, I think our our nation uh, needs to know about Jesus. I, I, I think our young generation needs to know about God's great perfect plan for their life, and and it's not about only about being successful, but am I in the right place doing the right thing for God Himself? It's a story of redemption, and stories of redemption, you know, usually do carry a lot of weight. And sometimes you just hope that it speaks to one person in an audience. You're not always going in there expecting an entire room to necessarily be moved by one thing. But if you can, you know, get across to one person who really needs to hear it, it becomes, you know, something special. But what comes from redemption is the tough story that came before it. Uh, you talked about being broken and being empty despite all of the things that were going on in your career. You had a ton of success. You were making a ton of money. You had, you know, you had the women and you had all of the excess in front of you. And it's an easy pill to swallow, both literally and figuratively, to go down that pathway. So was there a moment where it all just kind of clicked to you that, you know, this is not what I was put here to do. This is not the guy I was put here to be. Or were there multiple moments? Was there a moment where you thought, okay, I'm going to turn it around, and then you slipped, and then you had to realize, hey, it's going to be a process. It's not going to be that easy. Of course it was. There was um, multiple moments of, of, of having encounters with God, but really wasn't there uh, for myself. And what I mean by there is is what happens to people as they come to church and they accept Christ and, and they never go into the discipleship. And then most people that never go into the discipleship, you'll never know who God is. Uh, it's just a big, you know, phase that happens in your life, and you feel good, and and you never uh, have the real encounter, which is 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 discipleship, because that's when you learn uh, through the biblical principles. And if you don't learn that way, you're going to go back to the familiar. I don't care who you are; it's just the way it is. Uh, um, that transformation takes place when you spend time with God. Um, and you have to bring about discipline in your life. We, we're very good at discipline in our life and, uh, and training and, and going to the gym and being in shape. And we, feed, you know, we always feed ourselves from a physical standpoint, but we never feed ourselves from a spiritual standpoint. And it's not until you feed yourself from a spiritual standpoint, uh, that's how you get to know who God is. And so I had several attempts, but I never uh, really got into that place where I, I, I was completely surrendered and started to um, saturate myself in the Word of God and, and allow God to speak to me. And then when that happens, it's very lonely because everybody's going to, believe me, they're going to break away from you. You know, the friends, so-called friends, so-called people are no longer going to want to be around you because all of a sudden you got a transformation. You're different on the inside. Um, we always want to look like, we always want to make it good what we look like on the outside, but it's the inside that needs the transformation. The outside is really just the, 
seal of, uh, of, of what life is, you know, from, from the outside. But the inside is where it really counts, and I think so many people miss the inside. I'm just glad that, you know, God spared me uh, with his grace and mercy and, and gave me a chance to get well on the inside so I could look in and I can look out and see. Um, and that's the real goal to try to help people is be able to, you know, be well inside so they can look out, so they can see, and they can see clear. Did you realize we were talking about being able to actually see clear? Did you realize at the time when you're in that wild locker room? I mean, you're around some some crazy guys. There have been so many books written about those Mets teams with Lenny Dykstra and Doc. I mean, Doc was a hero of mine, actually, growing up when I was a kid. And, I mean, there, were, there was just so much on that team. Did you realize at the time the stuff that you were doing was what it was or was it just kind of part of the show and part of the life and it was something that was easy not you didn't even have to rationalize it it was just kind of part and parcel with what your life was at the time well it's just it's just a lifestyle you know i think um playing major league baseball or you are in entertainment whatever it is it's a lifestyle that comes with it and the lifestyle is no one ever tells you no you can do whatever you want however you want you can say whatever you want um but they never tell you uh, that there's consequences behind your action and uh, a lot of times that's what happens to so many uh, celebrities and and their lifestyles you know the consequences become real uh, with no nose and you don't know any better and until you um, come to a place of learning um some real discipline in your life and and it's very hard you know when you have fame and fortune um, and uh, everybody think that that's what they want uh, be careful what you ask for you just don't know what kind of trouble you're gonna get yourself into with that kind of lifestyle because it's not it's not like a normal lifestyle uh, you know the riches of, of having everything uh, means you really have nothing because most people that end up with having everything that's what their life is built around uh, of what they have and and they can never get to the place of of fulfilling the emptiness on the inside because there's a great deal of emptiness that goes along with having everything and a lot of times people look from the outside and say well I wish I could have their life you know, well you know you have no idea how empty and dark it really is on the inside and that's why you see so so many celebrities and athletes and and everyone in, in the entertainment uh, deeply uh, broken, can't stay married, you know, can't stay together, can't can't live together with each other, is because they really don't have nothing on the inside. It just from the outside it looks like it's great, and that's what it was with us. It looks like it was great. It was great playing ball. Don't get me wrong, ball baseball was fun, but outside of that, it was just a life of loose living and and, and emptiness on the inside. Dale, you talked about people knowing, you, you know, you start to find out who your friends are when you go through the transformation that you went through. I wonder how many people either voiced this to you or how many people you assume thought this, all right, what's Daryl's angle here? Like, why has he all of a sudden found God? Because you, it's, sometimes it's taken flippantly. It's not taken seriously. It's not taken as – because it's easy to find God in prison and go through that transformation and things like that. Everything that you went through – it's easy to then say, well, he's trying to rehab his image. Did you have to deal with any of that from people that you knew that were just like, all right, Straw, we know who you are. Like, what is this about? Well, they were and they were all commenting about it, you know, after they had seen me. Then they hadn't seen me for a while, and I had uh, been away and living in St. Louis, and God sent me away with my wife, Tracy, and to live a different life, and, and I got away. And, and and then they saw me come back and they saw me write a book and they saw me talking about my faith and, and they would say, well, let's see how long this is going to last. Well, it's been over 15, 16 years now and they're still talking. So <laughs> they're going to talk no matter what. And I think you just have to be able to learn to accept that and 
and realize why you're here. Your life, because people don't understand. Most the average person out there is just running around, and um, life is short. And they think they're gonna be here forever. They don't realize that it's just it's gonna pass you by before you even know it. And and a lot of guys that I play with, their life is passing them right by because they're basically doing the same thing, uh, still around the game of baseball, and still you know talking about what it used to be. Um, me, I've moved on. Um, I, I found my peace in, in the Lord. And that's what my rest is, you know. I don't, I don't believe, in, in I don't believe in going back, you know, into that society. I've already been there, done that. Uh, there's nothing there that impressed me. So it's not like it's something that you know, I worry about because there's nothing I miss. I, they, what most of them don't understand is I was at the top. I wasn't just an average player. You know, coming along right. to play. Yeah, I was at the top, the elite uh, players. You know that you see the day the elite players. I I was one of those guys, and I did that. But I know at the end, it's it's a dead end road, no matter what. Because one day you're gonna come into a place of retirement. Then who are you? What are you gonna do? What do you have? What's your next steps in life? Well, so many so many continue to chase after the dream of being around baseball. I have no desire to be be around baseball. Do I love it? Yeah, I love what I used to do, but I have no desire to be around it. Um, you I, still watch it? No, I don't. I don't really watch it. You know, I'm, it's not like I. It's not like I turn the TV on every day to watch a baseball mm, game. Sure. Um, of course, uh, I, I have more more things to do. Um, so many people are suffering in America today. We have a message to carry for younger people and, and try to lead them the right way. Um, I think we've gotten away from that in our society. I think we've gotten to a place where everything is instant gratification. You know, for for kids right now, I want it now and. Uh, they don't work at it, you know, and back in the days we used to have to work at it to get it, and if they, if they don't work at it, they won't appreciate it and it won't last long. How did you meet your wife, and how instrumental has she been to making sure that the new Daryl Strawberry is the last Daryl Strawberry? Well, she's, uh, she's a dream that comes true, you know, when you cry out to God for an angel and give me one sign, and that's what I was crying out for, and he gave me her. She came along, and we met at, at, in a recovery convention, and it was just powerful that she came into my life. I told her how dangerous I was, and, you know, I wasn't that easy to deal with, um, and she found out the hard way, but God still kept us together. We broke up uh, several times, didn't know, um, and then after, you know, after a period of time of me going away and, and saturating myself with God and getting serious, uh, I stopped everything. I stopped the drugs. I stopped sex. I stopped women. I stopped it all. And I, I focused on the Word of God and laid with God, which a lot of people won't do because it, it, it's hard. It's, it's, it's hard to let God cut on you. But it's the greatest gift that one can give to himself when God cuts on you. And I went through that period, and me and Tracy got back together, and, uh, and we got married, and we started on our journey together, and, and, and God just eventually just exalted us right in front of everybody's eyes and that's what he does um, um, because he has the, he has the last say you know and we can understand that when we can truly understand who has the last say over our life uh, then you can fulfill God's promises for yourself when you really know that so as a Christian obviously you believe that he forgave you how long did it take you to forgive yourself for some of the things that you know you endeavored into Years and years ago, it's a process. You know, it's not an overnight miracle. When I came back, and and I tell people all the time, and I tell the church all the time, when I came back and repented to God, and God made me sit for seven years, and He did not speak to me for seven years, and He made it clear that you know He wanted me sitting and He wanted me growing, and that's a, that's a process people don't want to go through. I said everybody wants you know to enter in 
to you know his plan and, and I think God's really really careful these days about people and how he wants to use people because he knows if they get on a platform and they get in the pulpit and they're not ready he knows the enemy's going to destroy them and so many people fall into the weakness because they think it's them and they just start building a brand for themselves so God has taught me it's not about me it's about the kingdom it's about Jesus and as long as I keep that perspective I will always have you know the great joy that I have because of the lessons that I learned of going through the process do you feel that what you went through is what brought you to God. Like he, you know, he'll bring you a different way. He brings people through different things. Can you look back on some of those things now and say, you know, those were blessings in a lot of respects because without them, I wouldn't have realized my need, maybe my desperation to end up in the place where you are right now sitting in front of me. Well, if I, yeah, of course, because, because if, if I, if I had played baseball more years, I could have probably made another $50 million and I probably would have never known Jesus because money keeps people separate. Sure. Because now you believe you don't need God because you have all this stuff. And why do I need God? And I've heard players say that before. You know, what do I need God for? I'm, I'm successful. And you could never find the cross, you know, because of that. So I'm glad things happened the way they happened because it brought me to the cross. And that's the greatest place one can come to is to his knees. You know, and the Bible talks about it. Every knee shall bow, you know, one day. And... One one day you have to bow down to God and, and ask God to forgive you, and, and He does. He meets you right where you're at. He, he's the only one that will never leave you or forsake you. Everybody else will, but He won't. Well, Daryl, you were a heck of a baseball player, but I think this story may have hit our audience in, an, in another way, and that was the main reason that we wanted to come here and talk to you. It should be a, a great event tonight. You're going to have a good dinner, and then you're going to speak, and a lot of people are going to, I think, be touched by what you have to say because you have such a unique perspective, and I appreciate you giving us a little bit of time today here on 104.5 The Zone. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks for coming out. I appreciate you. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, Daryl Strawberry, one of a kind, and I heard a lot of good things about that speech. I wasn't able to stay around for his talk last night, but I spoke to him a little bit after we uh, stopped taping that interview, and kind of an amazing man and an amazing story. Another amazing guy, Chad Withrow. He's got your high school coverage coming up. Stick with us on 104.5 The Zone. 